This podcast is sponsored by Smart Music, found at smartmusic.com forward slash marching. On this episode of the First Year Series, Dr. Joe Allison continues his discussion with First Year Band Director Bill Summers about life after marching season, including sharing some stories of adventures at winter band clinics and issues of the weather. Sometimes the snow would be so bad that many, many schools would cancel, and then we, we would be left with bands with only, you know... Strange with, instrumentation. I'll never forget yeah. the year that that we got snowed out of the the music building. We did the concert in one, King Johnson Hall, for those of you that know the campus. And I got a message right before we went on to do the last number with a college band that the music building had been quarantined. Bill also talks about performing with the basketball pep band and continuing to plan for the rest of the year and the next fall. As we all know, things are often even busier in the winter than in the fall. Life after marching season on this episode of the First Year Series. This podcast is sponsored by Smart Music, found at smartmusic.com forward slash marching. Have you ever heard the excuse, but I could play it when I was at home? Well, not anymore. Smart Music is the best way to keep your membership accountable. It allows the director to assign musical phrases between rehearsals and electronically receive audio files of their students' best takes. This allows for both self-assessment by the student and personalized feedback from a teacher. Learn more at smartmusic.com forward slash marching. Practice at home. Perform at rehearsal. And now we continue the conversation from the last episode of this series, where Dr. Joe Allison is talking to Bill about all that's going on after marching season has ended. What else you got going? Oh, I'm trying to uh, get all these different clinics that I'm taking my students to organized. Oh, let's talk um, about that. Yeah. Uh, where, Where are you thinking you're going? Well, I've got uh, we do we always do three. And that's what my predecessor did, and that's what the kids always like to do. And so I'm going to try and do the same thing that that yeah. he did. Um, we have kind of a district region level honors band clinic. We call it Bluegrass All Regional Band. Right. We're gonna. That's always in January. We're gonna do that one, and we there, there's an audition obviously for that one in, in December. So. Um, we already know who's going to that one, and is, then uh, is it a full nine through twelve high school band? Yeah, it's a nine through twelve band. Okay, and uh, we're gonna do all state band. We got we have uh, we've actually already figured out who's going. We got we have two students from our school that are going to represent Boyle County in the all state cool. band. We're very proud of that. I'm sure you are. And then. Uh, we're going to go to EKU's Honor Band Clinic in February. I was waiting for you to say that. <laughs> well, tell us. Now, this is this is a weird thing to ask, but, of course, for those of you that don't remember, Bill was a, a band graduate assistant for a couple of years. So uh, the question I'm getting ready to ask him sort of sounds to the layperson a strange one for me to ask him, but the truth of the matter is he knows as much or more about than I do. Tell me about the aspects of that clinic, Bill. Well, typically, t- typically that ba- that band clinic has about three or four concert bands, depending on how many are enrolled each year. And uh, are they a building group? Uh, one of the well, 
the the top band is an ability group. The the professors at EKU kind of group the the top students together into into the top group. Right. And there are, are two or three equal concert bands below that one. Why do you think? What do you think the philosophy of that is? Why do they do that instead of just have a top group, a second group, a third group, and a fourth group? I would say to probably equalize the experience across the whole the whole spectrum of students attending, make sure everybody has a really good experience. There's, um, there's always a stigma of being in the last band, isn't there? Right, and I don't think that students want to be in the last band. I don't. I don't think anybody wants to be discouraged, especially if they're younger students. Yeah. It's just odd how that works out. Even if it's a really difficult clinic to get into and the achievement level is really high, there's just something about, you know, being last. Yeah, yeah. So we made that change actually about 10 years or so ago to try that because there was a time where we actually had a, a cadet band sort of thing. And it was great because we'd hire really talented people with students that age. Like I know Jack Walker from London, Kentucky did it two or three times and he was just masterful at teaching those kids at their own level. But we just thought for social reasons and certainly they get a great experience and they can, you know, the less experienced kids can model the, the older kids because they're in the same room. Right. Right. Okay. So what else about it? Uh, well, it's, it's, it's about three days long. We go, uh, we go up there on a Thursday night and have the auditions Thursday night. And then the clinic itself starts on a Friday and it's all day Friday. I go home, come back all day Saturday. The concerts that night, Saturday night. And then, you know, like I said, depending on how many students there are, there could be two, three, four, four, uh, different bands that, that are on the schedule to rehearse and perform. Any other bands perform other than the clinic bands? Yeah, there have been several guest bands over the years. I've either high school groups or similar that have been invited um, to perform for the students as part of the clinic weekend. And of course, the EKU's own symphonic band always performed at it. I was waiting for that. Yeah, <laughs> so I, I can't tell you how many times I've performed in that concert. I know, that's the thing. It's like you and I both pretty much take it for granted. But yeah, that's that's yeah. it's it's a pretty standard format, but it is one that that is really good for the director. Of course, there's some clinics for uh, for the the directors and the, and the students. There's master classes and whatnot. So it's a pretty comprehensive weekend. But the only thing about it I didn't like over the, the number of years that I ran it was. We tended to have some weather problems, didn't we? Oh, yeah. The, the snow really hurt us on some years. Um, sometimes the snow would be so bad that many, many schools would cancel, and then we, we would be left with bands with only, you know. Strange with, instrumentation. I'll never forget yeah. the year that, that we got snowed out of the, the music building. We did the concert in one, King Johnson Hall, for those of you that know the campus. And I got a message right before we went on to do the last number with a college band that the uh, music building had been quarantined. <laughs> you talk about actually the, the weather caused some sort of power failure or something. But you talk about like, what do I do now? And this is while conducting a band. So that's right. The things that you get into when you're a band director. Oh, yes. All right. So just to recap, it was a very successful fall. Yes. Uh, both competitively and organizationally. And of course, the worry about keeping the, the level of proficiency up and the, the perception in the community since so many people evaluate, particularly the high school band by the results of the marching band competitions. Um, 
you took at least a, a, kept it even if not taking a step forward, right? Right. So that's a wonderful thing. That should really help the the attitude of the students going into concert season. I tend to forget, but a lot of band directors tell me that sometimes the the kids' energy and what we loosely always call attitude changes between the fall and the spring about what they're doing. Do you, have you seen that in your kids? Uh, I've seen a little bit of an attitude change. I think uh, I think the attitudes have kind of leveled off a little bit. It's it's a lot more. I don't want to say nonchalant, but it's a lot more relaxed of an environment than it was. Well, marching band usually has so much hype associated with it as well. That's, yeah. That's something I caution teachers about. Just because the, the, the students aren't outwardly reacting in the same way. You know, in marching band, it's the, the ratio of rehearsals to performances is closer to even than it is in concert band. And I always used to forget that. And students would tell me that it's not that we don't like concert band as well as we like marching band. We like performing. Right. And I was like, you know, you're right. <laughs> Never thought of it. So we, we used, we'd start scheduling more performances, uh, just simply to, to have that outlet. And of course that helps them get better as well. So mm-hmm. took me a while to figure that one out too. Did you have to do anything with the band over the holidays? Like basketball games or anything? No, no. We were, we were truly off or, yeah, a couple of weeks. I think we all needed it. We were all pretty tired. <laughs> well, you bring up a great point that I forgot. Uh, as you can imagine, in the state of Kentucky, high school basketball is a pretty important thing. And so uh, what is the expectation for you and your band program in terms of servicing that group? Well, we have a list of games that we are obligated to play at. And the games, that? the athletic director. Okay. Sorry to interrupt you, but that's a pretty important thing. Yeah, yeah, it's very important. The games we do play at, um, we play the national anthem for, and then just various other charts that, you know, that I select. It's mostly the same literature we've been, you know, we we play at at the football games, pet band kind of stuff. So, yeah. what kind of instrumentation do you use? Um, it's a smaller instrumentation because I, I tend to use only I, I tend to use the high schoolers more than anything. For those games, right, and uh, a lot of it's based on availability. Sure. Some kids get, some kids can't go to that, you know, that eight o'clock game on a Tuesday night because they have got something else to do, well, you yeah. know, which is fine. Is it completely voluntary? Is there a sign up sheet, or how does it work? It's 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 pretty much completely voluntary. I let them know about a week in advance. We've got these games coming up, and I, you know, I kind of put a list up on the board and that. People put their names on it. Yeah. And then a few days before it, I'll, I'll try to blackmail more people to come in if I don't have enough. <laughs> I was in my mind. I was thinking exactly that same thing. And that's a great point for the listener. Uh, you would think maybe that you just put up a sign-up sheet and, and immediately it would be filled with signatures. I'll never forget. This is one time. And this is a, a really high-achieving BAM program with about 300 kids in it. And I put up a sign-up sheet for the first basketball game. And a day later, there was not one signature on it. You talk about freezing me in my tracks. And I always felt so guilty because the school had a great basketball program to go with a great football program. And the basketball coach would always guilt me, say, you know, you went to all those football games. You can't come to some of our games. So I'd ask him to pick three or four that were important. And I'm telling you, it was it was a challenge. Plus, I don't know what it's like in Kentucky. And I want you to tell me when I shut up talking here. But in the state of South Carolina, there are so many regulations about when you can and can't play. It's almost like not worth going. 
Is it that way here? I don't think it's as much here as a, as as what you're talking about. Right. Um, we can't play. You know, we, we can't play while the game is in progress. Obviously. And, right. Um, but you can play at timeouts in between the halves and things like that. Yeah. Normally, <clears throat> at these high school games, what I have to try and get synchronized is, uh, you know, when the when the cheerleaders want to do their own thing, because sometimes they, they, the cheerleaders want to do their own thing or the dance team wants to do their own thing, and they don't want the band to play. They want to do their own thing. Right. So, are, there, are there two groups, but cheerleaders and dance squad? Yeah. Okay. So there's two more things to consider, consider in coordination. So there's not yeah. that many times to play anyway. So is this something that you guys work out before the game? Uh, not really. It's something we kind of work out during the game, <laughs> to be honest. So they come over and tell you what to do, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah being, which is fine. You know, because the, they, the they, yeah, they do it, they, they do it a different way every game, so it's, oh, it's fine. Wow. You know? <laughs> the one thing that the one thing that that stays the same though is we always do the anthem. Yeah. We do do that. Well, that's you know a lot of us, particularly in this this medium in the marching round table, we're thinking about you know all these techniques and aspects to competitive marching band and all these things. But I'm telling you, the relationship with the cheerleader sponsor or the dance team sponsor or all those things, you know, they'll seem disproportionate to you. But to the rest of the school and the community, they're not disproportionate at all. That's just as important, if not more so, than, you know, making state semifinals. Right. So that's a lot of stuff that you're, you've are you been involved in. I used to think that when marching band was over, it would get easier. As a matter of fact, I had a principal my first year at one particular high school that brought me into his office after marching band. He said he was really proud of the, This was my first year. said he was really proud of the growth of the of the band. He said, but now I'm going to have to think of something for them to do the rest of the year. And he was serious because he thought that's all there was. And evidently before that, that was kind of all there was. The spring semester, they read marching band charts, and there's all kinds of legendary stories about it. So I explained to to him that if anything, we would get busier. And he was just kind of like shocked. Yeah. But I don't think yeah. you have that problem, do you? No, no. If anything, you know, I... I think it has gotten busier than it was in marching band because, you know, you plan and plan and plan for marching band and then the fall, you just kind of just go out and do it. You know, there's no more, there's not really that much more planning involved other than just the, you know, little tweaks here and there. It's tradition, yeah. But then in the spring, it's just, you, you, you kind of switch gears, you do some concert band stuff, you start, and uh, you start this big, big uh, planning process for you know the later in that semester and then eventually for next year and it's just it's like this never ending thing like you know you, you, I feel like I can't plan enough you know well that's a great thing to say say it one more time please <laughs> I feel yeah. like I I cannot plan enough no matter how much time I put into it <laughs> yeah it's a job that's never done and I just yeah. again I'm sorry I keep hearkening back to my own experience but usually I try to talk about things that I feel like I didn't do well and this is another one I was just so overly concerned with the design aspect that's what I wanted to be a high school band director was design marching band shows and uh, man you know I, I wish in retrospect that I had taken a little bit of time from some of that which I thought about all the time and put it over in the organizational area it's just a, so amazingly important and so many of us 
maybe your right brain creative types that don't necessarily like to do that stuff anyway, but you have no choice, right? Right. There's none. <laughs> Just got you got to sit down and do it. Yeah. Well, this has been fun. Is there anything else you can think of uh, that's in the rearview mirror that we need to discuss? Oh, I'm sure there's several things, but it's, uh, you know, like I said, it's just, you know, we're switching gears right now and we're, we're trying to, to forge ahead and try and do some planning and get ready for concert fan season. And we're, you know, we're having a great time and I look forward to whatever is in store for me next. Great. So we'll, we'll get together certainly before your, uh, assessment festival and talk about preparation and expectations and things like that. Does that sound like a winner? Sounds great. Well, Bill, can't thank you enough for for being brave enough to be vulnerable and share these experiences because it's going to help a lot of people. Well, I'm glad to be of some help. Okay, take care, man. Take care. Bye-bye. Thanks again to our sponsor, Smart Music, found at smartmusic.com forward slash marching. Thanks to our editor, Aaron Osborne. And thanks again to Bill Summers for sharing his experiences with us.